Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Speed Force Media podcast. My name is Eleanor. And I'm Derek. This show is a weekly recap of all of your favorite comic book movie news that happened over the week. So let's get into it. Our topics today are going to be Bob Chapek teases more R-rated content on Disney+. The Green Lantern show is being redeveloped and going to be starring Jon Stewart. Pierce Brosnan teases a Dr. Fate return. Henry Cavill calls playing Superman a public responsibility. Dwayne Johnson is quoted as saying that Superman versus Black Adam is not the next step. And finally, that James Cameron says Marvel and DC characters lack depth. To start this off, we're going to talk about Bob Chapek and the possibility of getting more R-rated content on Disney+. Derek, what do you think of that? More R-rated content. So it is going to ruffle some feathers because you had a lot of parents coming out, speaking out, making petitions when Disney Plus dropped the Defender Saga, the Daredevil series, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Punisher, all of that, which was very much R-rated content or TVMA. And it had explicit content, either drug use, violence, blood, sexual content, violence, actions, whatever. And a lot of parents came out and spoke up about it and raised a big fit. That being said, Bob Shapek stuck to his guns and did not budge. He wanted to keep those shows on there. Because he's also said in the past he wants the home of Marvel to be on Disney Plus. Everything Marvel to be on Disney Plus. Now you'll see random things pop up on HBO Max like the 2003 Daredevil movie. I believe it's 2003 anyways. You'll see random things like that pop up on other streaming services, but for the most part, Bob Shapek wants all of it on Marvel, and that includes Deadpool and Deadpool 2 and Logan. And for me as a viewer, I think that is going to be great to be able to have variety in our content, not just the Pixar stuff or the Disney movie stuff. They put up that that private wall, the privacy wall, where you have to be a certain age, you have to go in manually to approve it, and you can even set up passwords for your children, so it's completely safe, 100%, at least in my opinion. And that's just how I feel about it, so as a viewer, I'm excited. It does make me question as to why they don't utilize Hulu more, because they are big-time owners of Hulu, and a lot of their former Fox projects wind up on Hulu as well as Disney. And so I am curious to see how they handle Hulu going forward, but as far as R-rated content on Disney+, Plus, I'm all on board. But Eleanor, what do you think? Do you think there's something I'm overlooking? No, I think... Uh having R-rated content is good for your adult viewers because even though you're Disney, you're the House of Mouse, and you're known for doing children's stuff primarily, you can't forget that you do have adults that don't have children that are part of your consumer base. And so I think they are reaching out into all of it. And even, you know, Bob Chapek himself said, quote, I want to respect what this brand is, but at the same time, I know that we may be even more precious about what is Disney than the consumer base is, Chapek told the journal. If the consumer base has more elasticity, we probably ought to listen to our audience, which means we have more degrees of freedom than we probably thought. And I totally agree with that. Not just for Deadpool, not just for you know, Jessica Jones, the Defender Saga, those types of shows. But I also think that this opens up the possibility of doing more types of things, even with Star Wars that are possibly R-rated, not just Marvel. Maybe, you know, 
Disney could come out with original content that is like Disney brand that is R-rated. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because you have a lot of people that really like Disney, that really like Marvel, that really like Star Wars, that also like R-rated movies, that like things a little more serious. And everything in the MCU right now, up to this point, has been a little bit more goofy or has comedic moments in there to really break up the seriousness because it is meant more for children. But with your question about Hulu... I think Hulu is going to end up being like their Discovery Plus. It's going to be where all of your documentaries and your reality TV shows go. And the Hulu original content as well. Right, it's exactly. It's going to be with Netflix so original content. Kardashians will stay there, that kind of deal. You'll have your serial killer podcast documentary type deals over there. And then all the other stuff will be more on Disney. Could you imagine going to the theater for like a Godfather remake and the opening logo says... Disney original cinema. And then there's like a blood splatter and you're like, what (laughs) the hell is going on? What Mickey Mouse world am I living in? What Mickey Mouse bullshit am I seeing? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our next topic is the Green Lantern series by Greg Berlanti on HBO Max is being redeveloped and it lost a writer. So it will now focus on Jon Stewart, which it was originally going to be focusing on Alan Scott and Guy Gardner, which are some Green Lanterns we really haven't seen. But Derek, you're a little bit more familiar with Green Lantern than I am. Aren't those two from the Justice Society? Okay, so I'm definitely not like a big Green Lantern guy. I do like Green Lantern, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Green Lantern, and I want to see Green Lantern utilized in film going forward, especially in the DCU or DCEU. I think they're calling it the DCU now. But Alan Scott was the Green Lantern of the Justice Society, yeah, in the comics anyways. So it would be great if they end up doing a Justice Society movie, especially after Black Adam. I would love to see them bring in an Alan Scott, hopefully a Jake Garrick. Uh, Guy Gardner I'm not as familiar with, so I couldn't tell you. I thought originally they were developing an HBO series as well as a movie, and one was going to be called Green Lantern Corps, one was just Green Lantern, and one was going to star Jon Stewart, the other was going to be like Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner, and then maybe they changed it to Alan Scott. But it's really sad that the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie is the last time we have seen really a live-action version of this character. I mean, they've kind of hinted at it in the Arrowverse a little bit, especially with Diggle. But as far as you can say live-action, this is really it. And thankfully, we got that Jon Stewart animated movie. Um, But other than that, Green Lantern has been dry. And that's a whole nother galactic world that they can get into in the DC Universe that they haven't so far. And it, it is kind of sometimes a little wonky and a little weird because you have aliens who look very weird as Green Lanterns. And to me, I think it's awesome. But to the average movie-going audience or maybe former WB executives, they might think, oh, yeah, that still has a stink on it, so we're just going to bury that character. It seems like a Green Lantern project has been in development hell as long as Black Adam and Flash Thank God we at least got Black Adam, so maybe that'll mean it'll open the door for some of these other projects that have been in development hell for years and years and years, like Lobo, uh, all sorts of different projects. But with James Gunn now being in DC, being the new head on show, he's very familiar with the intergalactic side of 
comics, not just Marvel, but DC as well. He's very familiar with your main Justice League core members, but he is a sweaty when it comes to comics. So he knows all of the small details. And I think with his hands, at least creatively, being able to somewhat put his input into the world of the Green Lantern Corps makes me really excited because I think if anybody could put some good amount of touch into a Green Lantern project, it would be James Gunn. And I know it is an HBO-driven show, so I'm sure it'll have its own showrunners, writers, and they'll be mostly uh, responsible for the project. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if James Gunn hopped on there a little bit. But what do you think? Do you think he'll just let the creators do their thing and take kind of a hands-off approach? I mean, we're still looking for writers at this point, but... I honestly don't think so, because this thing's rumored to be a $120 million budget. So I think with that amount of money you're forking out, I think James Gunn is definitely going to want to at least have a little bit of a hand in that. He's going to at least want to manage that a little bit. Not be completely hands-off, not be completely hands-on, but somewhere in the sweet spot in the middle. You know, still allowing the directors, producers, everyone on the show, and the showrunners to have their take on it, but to be able to keep it consistent with his idea for the DCU, I guess is what it is now. That is going to be so hard for me to remember. (laughs) (laughs) But I think he's going to want to at least keep an eye on this. I could see James Gunn at least, like, doing a little bit of something, something, maybe, like, tweak here, tweak there, and we don't notice it overall, but it's, like, in the finer details. And, you know, another reason why, just maybe speculating here as to why the script could be thrown out and why they could be looking for new writers is maybe they saw that budget and realized this isn't a movie. This isn't going to gain us a large amount of subscribers or maybe it will, but they're probably planning on, you know, not $120 million worth. So maybe they're looking at some sort of a rewrite to be able to lower the scopes a little bit and maybe not make it such an expensive show because like Netflix, They don't want to keep putting in a bunch of money into multiple seasons for series because once they get a certain amount of subscribers, the newest season isn't gaining any new subscribers. So basically, I just worry that with that large of a budget, if they do go forward with it, that we wouldn't be able to get multiple seasons. But if they were able to do something that they could relatively afford, maybe Green Lantern is better as a TV series. And You look at Daredevil the movie, versus Daredevil, the TV series, a lot of people would say the TV series, the Netflix series, saved the character uh, compared to the movie. And maybe that is what's going to get the ball rolling for Green Lantern moving forward. My only argument about the budget is that it could still possibly be a $120 million show because uh, House of the Dragon came in just under $200 million. Granted, that is Game of Thrones, so they've always done big budget and people expect that. But I think they are trying to make HBO Max that movie quality for their shows. And so I would appreciate it that if that's the direction they're going. I could see them wanting to shell stuff out for this because it's going to be in space. You want it to look real. You want it to feel high quality. You want it to feel like space. 
So I could see them doing something like that with Green Lantern and keeping it a higher budget show. And hopefully it gives enough of a return that they will return for a second season. But if it's like a limited series and it's like 12 episodes and it works and it gets us hit the ball rolling, like you said, for Green Lantern, we get a movie next. Even that's fine with me. So either way, I think I'm going to be happy. I am more familiar with Jon Stewart, so this does make me a little more stoked to see that. So I'm ready. I think I'm ready for Green Lantern. And, you know, to support your claim, um, if I'm not mistaken here, it says right here that Peacemaker was reported of a $185 million budget, which is insanely huge for a TV show. And if you look at Peacemaker, and specifically when the Justice League show up, yeah, you only get a silhouette of Wonder Woman and Superman, but you get a good shot of Flash running in there. And it does not look like a TV show. It looks like a movie. And the rest of Peacemaker looked really good as well. So I, I would be excited if this show hopefully does get going forward. And if it does, if they go in all in with the budget and they like they have with House of the Dragon, like they have with Game of Thrones, then we could be in store for something really special and make the world start talking about, hey, have you seen that Green Lantern show on HBO? It's like the best comic book show of all time. I don't know. I'm just getting excited now, but... We can hope for the best, right? We can always hope yeah, for the best. Absolutely. All right. Our next topic is regarding Dr. Fate. Pierce Brosnan did kind of tease us that we might be getting more Dr. Fate. Just want to let everyone know that there is a spoiler warning in effect. This topic does have spoilies for the Black Adam movie. So if you don't want that movie spoiled for you, if you haven't seen it, click out of here. I'll give you three seconds. jump to the next topic. Right. I'll give you three seconds. All right. Everyone who's still here, you've seen Black Adam. Welcome to the spoily talk. So, Pierce Brosnan. According to him and producer Bo Flynn told him that not everything is as it seems. So he said, so I think the door is open, Brosnan said of Dr. Fate's return. I honestly have no idea where this will go. I just know I'm very proud of the work playing Dr. Fate and honored being part of the DC comic book world. Fans have already taken to social media to call for Pierce Brosnan Dr. Fate movie. Johnson, who also serves as a producer, tweeted of Dr. Fate's future, quote, Dr. Fate is one of my favorites too, and you will see more of him, I promise. Being that he got Henry freaking Cavill back, I believe Dwayne, he will get Pierce Brosnan back. Have some faith. You know, I really hope so, because I loved Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. He was definitely one of the standouts of the movie. And whether you liked Black Adam or not, and I'm sure there are people out there that didn't like Pierce Brosnan, but I myself, I myself just haven't necessarily seen a review where anyone who's trashing on the movie specifically went out of their way to trash on Pierce Brosnan. Like, it seems like pretty much everybody has liked Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. So... Who wouldn't want to see more of him? I, I'm honestly surprised by this newest comment because before the movie came out, he was kind of playing coy a little bit. Like, hey, when do you think we could see you next? And he said, oh, let's just take it one at a time. I'm in no rush. And it kind of made me think like, oh, maybe they don't have a plan for Dr. Fate moving forward. And, you know, maybe he's kind of more like a Joaquin Phoenix type actor where he wants to do different projects in between and doesn't want to be just buckled down to comic book movies. But because he is a little bit older of an actor, right? Still looks great. But if we are able to get more Dr. Fate with Pierce Brosnan, that would be something special. And to hear him say, like, 
I feel honored to have a part in the comic, the DC comic book world. Dude, we're lucky to have you. We love having you. So you want to come back and do more? Please, we're honored to have you, sir. <laughs> I'm a huge Pierce Brosnan He's James fan. freaking Bond. Who wouldn't want him in your movie? But that's my reason as to why I think maybe there's a possibility where Dwayne says, yeah, there's a chance we're going to see, like, we're definitely going to see Dr. Fate in the future. But is the helmet going to go to a different person? That's my question. Right, that could be a possibility. I could see that happening. I personally think that it would be awesome if we see Pierce Brosnan again, and I could easily see it happening again. Just because this movie, although not critically a success, it's doing a box office smash hit with all of the people who are watching it, at least from what I can see. Like, literally 95% of people... Maybe not 95%, but you guys get you guys get what I'm saying. Nine out of ten people who go in and see it like it. So, and I think even the the one person who doesn't like it, they at least appreciate that there's Pierce freaking Brosnan in it, and he did amazing for the role. I think he's one of the characters I connected with the most, and I cared about the most, because my biggest critique with this movie is that I just didn't get as much character development as I normally would like in a movie. It's a little bit action-heavy for me personally. But with Dr. Fate, I felt like he was really grounded. He gave the movie a little bit more direction. It almost felt like he was kind of leading us through the plot, at least to me. And I thought Pierce Brosnan was perfect for that. At first, I will not lie. I was worried because I was like, this is James Bond. Like, how am I going to see this man as Dr. Fate? I'm not going to be able to, but totally was able to. I was 100% believing in it, 100% sold after that, and I'm like, I could see a Dr. Fate movie, and I would be on board for it. So right now, Black Adam, if you're curious, Rotten Tomatoes, critic score sitting at a 40%, a audience score at 90%, so very interesting how divided the critics and audience are on this one. Box office sitting at right now is at 156 million worldwide with 80.3 million domestic. So, not exactly uh, a smash hit for what they were going for. It was a $200 million movie, after all. But for a character like Black Adam, they probably were still wanting a little bit more with Dwayne Johnson, but. This movie still is going to be opening in China. It might have even already, and that could do a lot for the movie. Who knows? But what do you guys think? Do you think we're going to get to see more Pierce Brosnan? Let us know in the comments. Our next topic is Henry Cavill talking about the responsibility of playing Superman. It is not just Spider-Man where one takes great responsibility. It is also apparently Superman. He said, quote, I think I've probably learned the most from Superman. I've been playing Supes for so many years of my life and from an earlier age as well. When you play a character like Superman, it's a responsibility in public as well as it is on camera. It's something which has taught me a lot about myself and about the world as well, and about the power of important characters like Superman and what it means to a lot of people. Henry Cavill's been in the news quite a lot lately, especially after Black Adam, but I think this is one of my favorite quotes from him in all of his recent multi-interviews. Because he mentioned something that I think is kind of important, especially regarding DC characters and DC actors, is being a good person in public. Because not only are you representing yourself and any of your fans who may look up to you and your colleagues, or, you know, if you're promoting a movie that's backed by a big budget studio, 
then you're representing that studio by a certain degree. You're representing your cast, your crew, your directors. And for characters like Superman or Batman or The Flash, I think it is a little important to hold yourself to a high standard in society. Now, of course, mental trauma is obviously in play regarding specific people, and we're not going to get into all of that right now. But what Henry Cavill is talking about really rings true and should be kind of held to all of these actors that are playing these roles, that if you're going to be playing a superhero that kids are going to watch, they're going to think about you, they're going to fantasize being you, and they're going to look up to you and want to one day grow up to be you. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know grew up watching Christopher Reeve Superman. Christopher Reeve Superman was not in a bar during filming or whatever throwing chairs at people, you know? Uh, and so I think that is kind of what Henry might be alluding to a little bit, but also just how much he's learned and grown from this character. He understands his character, and he's put so much love and work into this character. And I know a lot of people don't like his portrayal or maybe even the way he's been written. Um, hopefully going forward, like he has said, we're going to get a more optimistic Superman. It makes sense from his character arc to kind of be going forward in a more positive light anyways. So I think he's been able to learn from that, not only for his character's sake, but also for his own personal life as well. You know, when you mentioned Christopher Reeve, that was the person I was going to mention too, because Christopher Reeve was just such a wonderful person, I feel, and he was just so positive, and he just really was Superman off the screen. So I think if you are playing a hopeful character like that, who is the man who would rescue a cat from a tree on the way to stopping terrorists like Christopher Reeve's Superman would, I think you have to embody that as a person as well. And I think we all have something we could learn from Superman, not to get too deep into this, but um, I think Superman is just a person who gives everyone the benefit of the doubt and is just kind of there for everyone. So I feel like he's kind of like the world's hug, if that makes sense. And Christopher Reeve was, as I've always said to Derek, an utter cinnamon roll of a person. <laughs> so I feel like if you are going to be playing somebody like that, you need to be a cinnamon roll of a person. Or at least pretend to be one in public. Right, exactly. Maybe you're not like that behind closed doors, but at least make me believe that, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's the same for a lot of characters, like you said. Um, like The Flash. Look at like, Ryan Reynolds right. or Hugh Jackman or Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. Like, they right. can all market their movies brilliantly. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. is amazing at that. Even, yeah. like, Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow. Like, that's a pirate, and he was marketing himself as a great person and going to children's hospitals dressed up as Jack Sparrow. Say yeah. what you will about Johnny Depp, but he did really good things for children. When Ryan Reynolds can promote his movie from his own social media. Dwayne Johnson attempted that. It didn't do as well as probably Ryan Reynolds will do. But you know what I'm saying? You can't necessarily do that if you're causing mayhem in society. And I think at the end of the day, Henry Cavill's just done a really good job of keeping everybody in his corner, I think. Definitely. He hasn't done anything really problematic. Most of the time, he's only in the news if people want to see him again, which is a good reason to be in the news. You don't want to be that person that's like, God damn it, we hear your name again and we're sick of hearing about you. You know, with lots of characters, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think a lot of actors do a good job 
with that responsibility, and Henry Cavill is one of them. I mean, the man is mostly building computers on his Instagram, so good for him for doing that (laughs) and for just staying a big sweaty nerd like all the rest of us. I think that's awesome. All right, so our next topic, once again, a little bit of spoilers for Black Adam, so if you don't like spoilers, click out of here. Dwayne Johnson says that Superman versus Black Adam is, quote, definitely not the next step. Instead, we have a lot more long-term storytelling to do before that historic DCEU showdown and more new characters to establish. I like the sound of that so far. I want more storytelling. I feel like Black Adam was a lot of things. It was a really fun movie. I don't think I really had any problems with it other than the fact that I didn't feel as much of a connection to the characters because we didn't get as much storytelling as I wanted. It was like, we'd tell some story, we'd have some dialogue, we'd move to an action piece and rinse and repeat. Not necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of MCU movies that have done that same formula and it's worked well. And obviously, Black Adam is doing pretty, pretty decently at the box office, not as great as they'd want, but pretty decently. And I think, you know, they did something pretty good here. I'm just hoping that they do go into more of Black Adam and more of the Justice Society of America, more into their stories. Also with our main cast from the Justice League, I would like to see more of them. Where's Martian Manhunter? Hello! I miss him. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that basically this means... We're not going to do a Man of Steel straight up to Batman versus Superman all over again. I don't think we're going to go into Black Adam and then Black Adam versus Superman be the next movie. Although, contrary to all of the marketing before this movie came out that Dwayne has been doing, it seems like he's really been pushing the Black Adam versus Superman thing. And the longer we go, or the longer out that gets pushed... I feel like the longer it's going to be before we see the crossover between Black Adam and Shazam because Dwayne hasn't really been promoting Black Adam versus Shazam at all, which I know there's got to be some other fans out there that want to see Black Adam versus Shazam like me and even maybe Shazam and Superman versus Black Adam in a Justice League movie or a Shazam movie or wherever it may be. I just want to freaking see it, all right? But I really also hope that, like Eleanor said, that Black Adam as a character, especially in the comics, is a lot more emotionally motivated. It's not just an argument or conflict of morals or politics or powers or territory. It's also emotions and revenge and vengeance and family and love and pain. And so there's a lot of different things that you can get into with Black Adam and introducing Adriana and Amon. I know a lot of people didn't like the child uh, actor Amon in Black Adam. But going forward, if Black Adam does share his powers with him and he becomes Osiris like in the comics, they'll obviously cast a older actor, maybe a teenager or a mid-twenties actor, kind of like a Tom Holland sort of to play Osiris, and maybe that would curve a lot of people's displeasure for the actor who plays Amon, and Adriana can just play herself as, uh, what's her name? Oh my gosh, Isis. Sorry about that. So I, I am really looking forward to see what they go forward with Black Adam, just in conduct alone, let alone 
con- uh, conflict with Superman or Shazam or the Justice Justice Society again. But that's just how I personally feel because I'm a big fan of Black Adam from the comics. So if they want to flesh him out more as a character to make the audience a little more emotionally connected to him as opposed to just like, hey, look how badass he is. And, you know, I was still emotionally connected to him to a degree But his origin story, even though I did like the twist that they added, was kind of briefly ran through. And I would like a little bit more time either with him as a character in Kondok or maybe him in the past. But even if it's present day, just him in Kondok with his people and seeing their pain and feeling their pain, I really want to see a lot of that. I don't want to just see more Smash Smash. Um, I do want to see more Smash Smash, don't get me wrong, especially with (laughs) Superman. But <laughs> I do also want to see the things I also love about Black Adam as a character, which, yes, is his politics, but is also his emotional motivations, which makes him more interesting because he's a lot like the Punisher in many regards. He's not just mustache twirling or, you know, uh, kneel at my feet or get stomped by my boot. He does care about certain individuals, and I think that makes him interesting among the DC characters. Not only that, we don't have very many DC characters that are heroes or anti-heroes, really, that do a lot of killing. Like, maybe Harley Quinn at this point. Well, the point. Suicide Squad, but right. you, you're definitely rude for them. I'd like to see Black Adam thrown in a scenario where you don't know if you should be rooting for him. Kind of like in Civil War, where you don't know if you should be rooting for Captain America or Iron Man. But at the end of the day, I feel like the writers really did kind of want you to root for Captain America, because it was his movie. But having a movie like that, but with Superman and Black Adam, and having some political kind of conflict in there as well, would be really fascinating, really interesting. Some they could have thrown in there with Batman Well, yeah, you could do, like, Superman overstepping his bounds in Condock, and Black Adam be like, girl, hands off, this is my home. Right, that's how it always begins. Right, and then it will just escalate from there, and you can add layers and layers and layers of bullshit on top of it. By bullshit, I mean good bullshit. (laughs) But they can take their time getting there. They could tell a couple of Justice Society movies, for all I care, before they get into any of that conflict. You just got to do it before Dwayne and Henry get too old. Right, and I would also like to see, this is my personal thing, I'd love to see Wonder Woman thrown into the mix. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see Batman thrown into the mix. Maybe throw in, you know, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter. So basically a Justice League movie. Yeah, and throw in Shazam. Like, let Shazam be a part of this. Like, I want to see a lot of big players, and I want to see, you know, some of the people that that we were missing from the Justice League movie. Because I personally felt like, although I loved what they did with cyborg in that movie i just i wanted you know it's not gonna be ray fisher ray fisher's done i know but i wanted i wanted cyborg with my teen titans i watched the show as a kid and that's what i wanted from that they went more new 52 route yeah and i wanted my justice league to be like my classic seven and so that's what i'm kind of hoping to see going forward and you know if you throw black adam into the mix and have like the justice league versus black adam Holy badassery, Batman. Yeah, it'd be a great villain for the Justice League, but there are a lot of people out there that would rather see other Justice League villains like Mongol or Brainiac or someone like that. But what do you guys think? Would you like to see Black Adam show up in a Justice Society movie or maybe a Justice League movie before throwing down with Superman? Or how do you think they're going to handle it? After all, James Gunn is a big fan of all things DC 
and he is running the ship now, so I'm sure it'll be a little bit of a wait, but whatever he's got in the store, I'm excited to see. All right, guys, we are on to our last topic. I'm not going to lie to you. When I first read this, this made me incredibly angry. I'm going to try to keep the lid on the pot as much as I can before the water boils over. But just know, Eleanor's a wee bit heated. And this is coming from someone who's in the James Cameron fan club. You can ask Derek. I really like James Cameron. She's got the t-shirts, the lunchboxes, the nail polish. I've got the foam fucking finger, dude. Like, I really (laughs) like James Cameron. But here he is pissing me off all the same. So, if you didn't know... He had a big interview where he said a lot of things. (laughs) This is coming to us from Variety, by the way. And he's criticizing Marvel and DC characters, saying that they all act like they're in college and they really don't have relationships, which, girl, I'm just going to say it. Tobey Maguire's first Spider-Man movie, there's relationships, there's real-ass situations happening in that movie, and that one always pulls at my heartstrings. You can't tell me that that one isn't mature. Ooh, I'm going to get real salty. I can already feel it. All right. (laughs) But he said, quote, when I look at these big, spectacular films, I'm looking at you, Marvel and DC. It doesn't matter how old the characters are. They all act like they're in college. They have relationships, but they really don't. They never hang up their spurs because of their kids. The things that really ground us and give us power, love, and a purpose, those characters don't experience it. And I think that's not the way to make movies. So they never hang up their uniform for their kids well i have a few things to say about all of this really and i'm gonna i'm gonna try and be fair because i know there's gonna be a large amount of people that don't like comic book movies that do like james cameron movies that will agree with his comments like yeah they're made for kids and comic book fans are just giant children and you know what maybe i am a giant child but you don't see me coming out and saying or anyone who's in the comic book movie, either fan community or film community, because you have world-class directors, writers, producers, filmmakers, cinematographers, costume designers, cast members, actors, actresses, in comic book movies winning Oscars, and being nominated for all sorts of awards, breaking all sorts of box office records multiple times a year, setting records on television. I mean, look at Peacemaker. A show like Peacemaker was the biggest show in the world. Now, yeah, John Cena was very childish acting in that movie, but he had depth. He had relationships, even in a show like Peacemaker. You look at Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. He literally retired for his child. You saw Logan die for his child. You see uh, Hank Pym retire because his uh, wife uh, got stuck in the quantum realm or whatever, and he wanted to stay and protect his daughter who he was estranged with and whatnot. There's a multitude of reasons. But also another thing with these comic book movies, you have to play an agile young actor or actress. So a lot of the times, or a young character, so a lot of the times you get a young actor or actress. A lot of these characters aren't in a stage where they're popping out kids and swinging from new york buildings you know what i mean a lot of these characters are in their early 20s or 30s so a lot of them aren't parents yet so that's and that's just the way they're written so i i think this is just james cameron and we've seen it happen plenty of times so i really wasn't surprised these world-class known directors where it's gilmore del toro whether it's james cameron Uh, I think Steven Spielberg, we've had people like Jamie Lee Curtis or uh, actresses like Jodie Foster just 
go out of their way in interviews like this one to basically just call out Marvel and DC. And, you know, it, it makes us fans a little defensive and want to jump and get our pitchforks and whatnot. But then we're just kind of proving them right, that we're just giant children, right? But really, he himself is not only acting like a giant child. He's also showing his age and just how behind the times he is. Because how do you show such distaste and hatred for a, an entire community of people that love a certain type of movie repeatedly over and over and over again when you know that same community goes to the box office and breaks records every month? Granted, James Cameron and Avatar 2 will be very successful, and I think it could be successful even if every comic book movie fan boycotted its, its release. But a lot, the reality is a lot of those fans, including myself, will still go see his movies because it's James Cameron, and I love Terminator, and I love pretty much everything he's done. I, I liked Avatar. I, you can't deny Titanic's success. And there's so many other things like Alien and, you know, he's done so many great, wonderful things that you just got to kind of just shut up a little bit, James. <laughs> but... Also, we just kind of ignore you. Like, that's gran grumpy grandpa in the corner talking about those damn young kids and their internet. And I'm just like, dude, calm down. We're still going to hang out with you. Just let us finish our text. Get with the times, James. People watch comic book movies now. This isn't the early 2000s. Also, speaking of early 2000s, I wanted to say real quick, and then I'll pass it over to Eleanor. <laughs> James Cameron mentioned his idea, his great idea for Spider-Man. His Spider-Man movie. If you didn't know, he was going to make a Spider-Man movie before Sam Raimi made his. And his take was going to be a much gra more grounded, realistic take. And I don't have the quote pulled up, but I'll summarize it. Basically, he said that the biggest issue he wanted his Peter Parker to be facing was his suit. Because if you think about it in real life, if you got bit by a radioactive spider and wanted to fight crime, you would need a suit. And if you're just the average Joe, you don't got necessarily skills or resources to get a high-tech suit, your biggest issue is going to be running outside looking like an idiot. And, <laughs> sorry, I'm just saying, I mean, you'd look like maybe even just like Spider-Man in uh, Civil War, his pajama suit. That's probably the best you're going to look, which still looks pretty good. But that was his biggest issue or his biggest conflict in the movie to keep him grounded was that he didn't have the greatest suit, and that was going to be the biggest issue that Spider-Man faces in the movie. That. Not an iconic villain, you know, not like Norman Osborn or Doc Ock or Electro Venom or uh, uh, Vulture or whoever, Mysterio, but Spider-Man versus Spider-Man's suit. And he wanted Leonardo DiCaprio in that, so you wanted Leo to be fighting his so, suit the whole time. So, you know, time. maybe it would be a very artistic type of film like Joker, like we mentioned earlier. You know, maybe it'd just be a completely different take on a comic book movie in general. And, you know, if it released today, I'd still go and see it. But the way he described it and made it sound like so much better than everything else we've seen, honestly, it sounded pretty fucking boring. Right. And now that you turn it over to me, get ready, y'all. So I, I'm not going to lie. I love Titanic. I'm like, not only am I a girl, but I'm a ship girl. And I love Titanic. I love that movie. It's the same runtime is the amount of time it took the ship to sink. He put a lot of little details in there. He put a lot of love into it. But I'm also going to say, James, if you're talking about them not putting up their spurs and stuff, if you're talking about, you know, these characters don't have things 
that relationships and things that are moving their characters forward. Mm. Titanic had plenty of shit going for it. You didn't need to add uh, Rose and Jack to it. Why did you distract from the most popular ship sinking in all of history? Everyone knows the word Titanic. I don't even have to describe the ship to you. You can see her in your mind. She's beautiful. Everyone enjoying the picture? Okay. With that said, you did not need a love story to push that story forward. Look at a night to remember. We followed Charles Lightoller, a real-life man who was there, who did things for his children, who did things for the passengers, who did things for his captain. He had mm. real-life motivations. You could have followed him around. But no, we're going to do My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Preach. I love... Thank you. <laughs> I love that movie. I love the soundtrack. I love it all. I love the love story. I have myself some Funko Pops of Jack and Rose. Thank you, Derek. But if you're going to bitch to me about these characters not having relationships and you have to add a corny ass relationship that was built in four days when a ship was sinking, when it's the biggest event of the early 19th century... Hello, girl, you are missing the point. It's not comic book movies that's the problem. You just have, like, no love in your soul. I don't know what it is, James. I still love you, but this hurts me deeply. <laughs> well, I'm going to say you're wrong about your take on Titanic. Because <laughs> how long was it the highest grossing film of all time with the love story? And, oh, I'm and not... I, like I said, I love that movie. I think that movie's a masterpiece. But if you go and talk shit about relationships <laughs> and these movies not having events that propel them forward... Titanic sinking itself was a big enough event you didn't need to add that in. <laughs> I mean, come on. Look at A Night to Remember. It's an awesome movie. And I think most of us really big sweaty ship nerds, like those of us who are the boat people, we like that movie better because it's more historically accurate. It brings more of the story to the actual ship. And James, you can't tell me that, you know... This is the biggest struggle that Spider-Man's going to face when you made the biggest struggle in Titanic, like the ship sinking was in the background and the love story was in the foreground. The ship should have been more in the foreground, if that's how you're going to critique it. Only based upon this comment. If he had never said this, I would be a Titanic defender until the day I die. But, and I will always love that movie, and I still will defend it, but you can't go around throwing willy-nilly comments out here and saying, I'm looking at you, Marvel and DC. Girl, I'm looking at your own itinerary. I'm looking at your own stuff. And I'm going to just point out that you took away from something huge to add a cheesy relationship in that some people find really cheesy. And I love that movie, and I love the relationship. I love that he didn't fit on the door. Come on. But still, James... You can't piss off a bunch of people that are probably the ones who are also seeing your movie. And your movie also has CGI, because he was whining about CGI in this article, too. It's like, yes, you filmed underwater, but all of your characters are CGI, so you're still a CGI-heavy movie. So I think he's just critiquing things that apply to him a little too closely. And he's not seeing that. And like you said, he's just Grandpa James Cameron on his lawn... I mean, on his porch, telling kids to get off his lawn. And we're the kids on the lawn. That's just how I feel about it. I know some people are going to be like, dude, you're going real harsh on James Cameron. Don't fault me. I love James Cameron. James Cameron's movies are great to me. I really liked Avatar. I liked Terminator. I love Titanic. I still love Titanic, despite that thing I pointed out. But I just got to point out faults where there are faults. Like, personal faults with James Cameron himself. 
I know I came off a little heated, but <laughs> what do you guys think of James Cameron's comments? Do you personally feel like these characters don't have relationships, don't really have things that ground them, give them power, love, and purpose? Because I personally feel they do. And what did you guys think of the love story in Titanic? Do you think I'm overreacting? I'd love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us for our first ever Speed Force Media podcast. Just know as we keep going, it'll only get better over time. So come see us again every Friday. We do this every Friday. We're going to give you your news recap, news breakdowns, and give you our thoughts. Thank you guys so much for being here. Please subscribe if you want to hear more content from us. Have a great week, and we'll see you on Friday again.